certainly concur with the scripture Jesus said uh, it's with the desire I have desired to spend this time with you amen I'm excited about uh, what we're going through the book of Revelation and God is revealing unto us his plan in apocalyptic language his plan for the end of the world and the end of mankind as we know amen but before we get started and I'm going to go right into the word I'm going to skip the scripture reading We'll go right into the word. We're going to try to uh, get through the political leader on. Remember, we're still in the uh, 13th chapter of Revelation, the unveiling of the unholy trinity. Amen. Satan is Satan is bringing his church. Amen. A fight against the saints. Amen. But we certainly know we have the victory already. Uh, it is our goal to get through the political leader and move on to the false church or the false prophet. Amen. That we might hear what God is saying to the church. The Bible says many is going to be uh, deceived. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, stay in your Bible. Stay in your Bible and you won't be deceived. The scripture says, let no man deceive you. Follow. Amen. The leading of the Holy Spirit. Read his word. Amen. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. All right. Let's go back to Revelation and we're going to the 13th chapter, 13th chapter of Revelation. We're going to recap just a little bit, just a little bit. We got some things that we need to get through on tonight and uh, this is timely information. We're living, we're living these scriptures. We're actually living these scriptures right now. This is going on right now. Amen. As I say, when we get over into, well, when uh, the world gets over into the tribulation period, we know that the church will be snatched out. Amen. And certainly everything that will be in place then is already at work right now. It's not like the church is going to be snatched out and then all of these things are going to happen. We're watching it. We're seeing it. We're living it right now. It's coming to pass. And one of the things, um, saints of New Grace know that I'm, I'm a news junkie. I watch news all the time. And one of the things I would always say, read your Bible, look at the news, and you can see it coming to pass. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, He's going to do it. If he promised it, he will bring it to pass. Numbers 23 and 19. Amen. We can count on God in keeping his word. All right. In Revelation, the 13th chapter, it says, John was writing, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon the horns, ten crowns, and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. His mouth was as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, 
who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's that pattern of consistency. Three and a half years is the period that we're talking about uh, right now. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Hmm, I wonder who that is. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindred and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose name was what? Not written in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. And he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. And he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And the last scripture that we're going to deal with introduces the second beast, which is the false prophet. And I heard another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. That gives us uh, a clue right there. He looked like a lamb, but when he opened up his mouth, he sounded like a dragon. And that's why it's so important that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Amen. So we are witnessing, we're seeing here Satan is coming in uh, with his own church. Uh, he know that God has a perfect plan, and since he can't take over uh, God's plan, and this was very all the way back in the uh, beginning, he wanted to ascend into the seat of God, and what did it happen? He got kicked out of the heavens, all right? So he know God has a perfect plan, and since he can't take over God's church, you all remember those angels when they fell from heaven, they landed at Mount Hermon. And that's where Jesus stood and said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Satan, you will never get your hands on my bride. And I'm so glad we are the bride of Christ. All right. So since he can't take over God's church, he can't control God's church. Uh, what is he doing? He's making a duplicate. Remember, uh, Satan is trying to copy, mimic, duplicate everything God did. He knows God has a perfect plan. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to follow that same plan. And he's going to be so close to the real thing that many people are going to be deceived. And that's why it's so important today that we have this walk in relationship with God. And as Paul said, I'll let nothing separate me from the love of my God. I have to have such an intimate relationship with him that a stranger, when I hear his voice, I'll say that's not the voice of God. That's that's not the person whom I I love. <laughs> My God, we have to have a, a relationship so close, my God, that you can discern and know the voice of God. All right. 
Now, many times people think the Antichrist is just one person, but John warns us that there will be many, many Antichrists. All right. When we have that word Christ Christos, uh, the anointed one, people will have gifts and calling. They will be anointed, uh, but they're not God. Come on, somebody. They're not even used of God. And another meaning for Antichrist is when an individual put themselves in place of Christ. And that's what Satan will be doing. Uh, this first beast that we see that comes from the sea. And the sea means governments. It means people, uh, kingdoms, uh, regimes. Somebody is going to rise up and we know who that somebody is. That's the Antichrist. And he's going to proclaim that he is God. And at the same time, blaspheming God, my God, and many people will be deceived, but it will be many people. These will be governments. The, we have uh, looked at them uh, during uh, Daniel's dream, uh, empires at one time or another uh, that came and wanted to destroy Israel. But I'm so glad, my God, God has a way of protecting his people. Amen. All right. So these beasts are kingdoms. I don't want you to think about them as animals. And I know we saw leopard, uh, bear, lion. Now they destroy, uh, will maim you, cut, bite, uh, kill you like an animal. But these are kingdoms. Uh, as we said, the old world uh, empires, new word would be governments, regimes. Uh, we talked about the war in Iraq when we were fighting Saddam Hussein. You all remember that. All right. But nobody was fighting Saddam when at the end, when it was all over, Saddam was somewhere underground with a whole bunch of money in his pocket. Y'all remember that? But when we went over to Iraq, we were fighting his guard. We were fighting his army. We were fighting his regime. Somebody's going to be the head of the snake. But I want you all to, when you all see these beasts, these are governments. These are kingdoms. Um, old word empires that we're going to be fighting or experiencing uh, coming that will be doing uh, the head of the snake, the Satan himself, Antichrist, doing his bidding. So it's not just one person. Uh, this will be a whole government. Uh, we've heard it described as this new world order and a deep state and all these conspiracy theories. But uh, people don't realize, yes, there is a government coming and it's Satan's government. Amen. And it's a lot further along than people realize uh, that temple will be rebuilt. All right. But that temple is built for the abomination of desolations. Who is that temple is going to be built for? It's going to be built for Satan himself. The Antichrist is going to come and negotiate peace between the uh, Israeli and the Arab uh, nations. Uh, he's going to get that land. He's going to rebuild that temple. And he's going to sit on the throne and want to be worshipped as God. And when Israel realized this is not our Messiah, that's when the destruction is going to break out. Now we have uh, Satan is coming with his unholy trinity. If you find, did you read it? Did you catch it? Uh, we have Satan. We have beast number one, which is the political leader. 
and we went down to uh, verse 11, uh, beast number two, which is the false church, uh, the false prophet or the false church. We're using those interchangeably. All right. So we have Satan. We have beast number one. We have beast number two, the unholy trinity. All right. The Bible says, and having great power because he will be speaking, they will be all speaking the same thing. Isn't that what we want? We want a, 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 a religious leader and a political leader, uh, the, all of the earth speaking one language, pulling, pushing the same direction, especially in an undivided uh, world in which we live today. Well, that's coming to pass, uh, but it won't be for the glory of God. Satan will be running it. He will be ruling it. All right. Uh, these two uh, beasts, one, the political leader, one, the religious leader. Remember now, uh, it was both the political and religious leader that killed Jesus. Who was it? Herod and Pilate couldn't get along, didn't agree about nothing. But they both hated Jesus. Remember somebody. So what did they do? They came together. They came together, amen, and uh, they crucified our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I'm so glad because he had to go. He, well, somebody said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But this is what we're witnessing today, church leaders. Uh, you all heard me say it, and I'm a double down on it. Uh, 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 religious leaders that hate God, uh, evangelicals. Uh, I remember um, it was uh, Jimmy Swaggart when uh, Obama, President Obama was coming into office. Oh my goodness, he had all the saints and they were going around the altar and uh, President Obama was the devil. He was the devil. I mean, and we was in a whole lot of trouble. And I was thinking now, you know, um, I remember Jimmy Swaggart one time uh, got caught with a male prostitute. And he was crying. Tell me he sinned against God and he sinned against the church. <laughs> and here you got President Barack Obama was a one-woman man, didn't have all the scandal, didn't have all the corruption tied to him that we have this current president. But Obama was the devil. My goodness. Uh, these evangelical leaders are lining up with this corrupt administration. I mean, we see the hatred. We see the division. We see the deception. We see the racism. We see the sexism. We see the bigotry uh, that's going on. Uh, yet, mum's the word. They're not saying nothing. They're going right along with this president. I don't care what he doing. They don't have the guts to stand up and speak against the lies, the deception. I mean, to our own earth. Uh, here's somebody that say that they didn't tell us about the coronavirus because they didn't want to uh, um, uh, upset the people. They didn't want to get us in a riot and an uproar. But yet he talks about how people are going to come and 
take your home from you and uh, the protest and the looters are going to, you know, to come and destroy your neighborhood and all of these things. My goodness. And I can almost, you know, I can almost agree with him if he said, you know what, I didn't want to get the people alarmed, but I, I invoked the, the Defense uh, Production Act and I got uh, companies making us um, PPE for our doctors and our nurses. Uh, they were making uh, ventilators, you know, for people that would be, no, he didn't do none of that and put all of us at risk. Yet they will contort and twist themselves to agree with what we see in this happening in his land. So what, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And what do you mean, pastor, religious leaders that hate Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, you would keep my commandment. How can you go along with this administration and you love the Lord? My goodness. So we're living in a time where the political leader and the religious leader are coming together and they hate Jesus. And uh, I, you know, if you all read uh, ahead, you'll find out that this beast number two, the false church, eventually is destroyed by the political leader. My God. You know, when the Bible said the world loves his own, you better believe that. You better believe it. Uh, he's using the church right now for validation. Oh, we need to pray for this president and, and we need to get behind this president. The church is validating his corruption. But as you read, and that's why I thank God we're in this particular moment of revelation because we're living this. Saints, wake up. <laughs> Open your eyes, open your ears. This is happening right before our very eyes. My God, the political leader and the religious leader coming together and they both hate Jesus. And in the end, it is the political leader that is going to kill the religious leader. Because the Bible already warned us, the world loves its own. All right, so people think this first beast that is coming, he's going to be God. He speaks against God and then turns around and says that he is God. Isn't that something? And people believe him. My God, uh, how does a person know when they're deceived? Right. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know unless somebody reveal unto him, unto them that they're deceived and they receive the message. An individual that's been deceived, they do not know. And that's why Jesus said, see that no man deceive you. So many people's minds are deceived. They've been brainwashed. We talked about those soldiers for Hitler uh, that were captive, uh, captured by the British Army. And uh, these soldiers uh, thought that their leader was so invincible. 
uh, they told their captors, you all better be nice to us because Hitler is going to come. Now, here they are. They've been shot down. They've been captured. They've been locked up. But they were so deceived in their mind that nobody could defeat Hitler. And you have people today with that same uh, mentality. You know the Antichrist is going to convince uh, he's going to have power over 10 kingdoms. We talk about those 10 kingdoms, the 10 crowns, uh, the 10 horns. Uh, those are individuals that are going to, he's going to have them totally convinced that they can fight against God and win. Now, you know you got to be deceived to believe something like that. Who in the world is going to fight against God and win? And it's amazing how far we have come. Uh, used to be a time when people identified with a Christian, uh, well, at least, you know, nom nominally, they, they, they had some kind of Christian uh, background, some kind of uh, uh, Christian uh, up uh, raise, uh, ri raising. Uh, but you'd be surprised nowadays that people, they don't have the connection that they used to have or the views that they held concerning Christianity. They have gone away, all right? And here comes this political leader that will blaspheme God and they'll go along with it. Not only that, we see it everywhere we look, even on TV. People will blaspheme God and nobody gets upset about it. Nobody's concerned. My God. Not only that, he's going to blaspheme. He's going to slander his name. He's going to slander his, his temple. He's going to slander his people, uh, and that ought to give us a clue. Uh, we'll be tucked away in our chamber during this three-and-a-half-year tribulation, the first part of the tribulation period, and he's going to blaspheme us. Come on, somebody. My God. But God is going to protect Israel. There will be a remnant that's saved, even though this uh, Antichrist uh, this this uh, system uh, that's going to come and God is going to give it power, going to give him power that he can uh, overcome the saints. All right. But there will be a remnant saved out of that earthly seed. You all remember Abraham. He had a heavenly seed. And then this earthly seed, we find that out in uh, Revelation, the 12th chapter, when he couldn't get to the woman, she was hid, and the earth protected her. Now he's after the remnant, her seed, that will be left during the tribulation period. It's always about Israel. We are spiritual Israel right now, and that's why the enemy is fighting us so tough. It's always about the bride of Christ. But we thank God. God has a way of uh, showing up. He's protecting us. Uh, did anybody look up that miracle war? I told you about the miracle war when all of the uh, United Arab armies uh, came against Israel uh, to fight. Now, if you put all of the uh, Islamic uh, states and Muslim nations uh, together and put little Israel in there, they're just a little blip on the map. And they all came together and decided they were going to wipe Israel off the map. And they still have that goal today. 
And all of the uh, military experts said it was a miracle war. Six days and it was over. Look it up. There's another war they fought against Israel, and it's called the War of Yom Kippur. They actually attacked them on a religious holiday. And what did Israel do? Just drive them back. God is going to fight. He's going to fight uh, for his people. Amen. But during this span of time that we're dealing with right now, that three and a half years, uh, the Antichrist is going to be given power to wreak havoc with the saints. And they're going to go through hell on earth. But even after that, God will show up the ancient of days and put an end. And if he didn't put an end to it, nobody would be saved. Uh, and that particular time is going to be worse than even the Holocaust. And we remember in 70 AD or AD 70, when the Roman Empire came in and destroyed the temple, it was estimated one million Jews were killed at that particular time. But this time, there's going to be a suffering as never before. And certainly... Each and every one of us, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we are the bride of Christ and God is fighting. He will fight for his church. All right, now I had a little news flash because we had a, a big signing uh, at the White House on yesterday. As I say, read your Bible, look at the news. There was a big signing, uh, uh, a peace accord, if you will. Uh, I have always shared with you all that we have to keep our eyes on the Middle East and uh, in particular Israel. All right. So when we talk about peace, we're talking about peace relative to Israel. We will not have peace until all of those uh, he, um, um, uh, Arab and Jewish nations come together. We may have peace somewhere else, but if we don't have peace in the Middle East, when we talk about peace, we're talking to peace relative to Israel. And this is something they have been fighting since the beginning of time. We've gone through all of those empires at one time or another swore that they were going to wipe Israel, the Hebrew nation, off the map. But what happened? God shows up and fight for them every time. <laughs> he shows up and fight for them all the time. All right, so uh, we had a, a signing at the White House. All right, and I just want to share with you a, a scripture, uh, my thoughts concerning. Now, if anybody tell you they look at this and, and uh, they've read the Bible and they're looking at the news and they know exactly uh, what God is going to do, I don't believe that person is being honest with you. There's nobody that can look into God's word and know everything there possibly. Uh, the only thing you can do is, you know, John said, if everything that was written about Jesus that could be written, the world couldn't even contain the book. There's so much about him uh, that can be shared. Amen. Uh, the only thing we can do is ask God for a deeper understanding. Every time you get ready to uh, read your Bible. Ask God to open up your understanding that you might be able to understand the scriptures. Amen. 
And each and every one of us, that's what the scripture uh, did for the disciples and said, and then he opened their understanding that they might understand. Uh, and there's so many people have degrees in divinity and theology and uh, doctorate degrees and in religious study. And they don't even understand Acts 2 and 38. They read right past it and don't understand that God is calling them to be saved, to come out of the world. So it takes the uh, opening of your understanding that we might be able to understand uh, the scriptures. All right. Uh, I want to share with you. Uh, everybody should have your Bible. Everybody have your Bible, please. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians um, 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. 1 Thessalonians, uh, the fifth chapter. You have it. Paul in his writing, he said, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh how? As a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child and they shall not escape. My God, those are the words of the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what I want to um, emphasize uh, upon uh, your minds and hearts tonight, that we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And I'll give you, let, let's just go back to the scripture. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now we all know that we're close to the coming of the Lord. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. No man knows the day or the hour when the thief is coming. All right. For when they shall say peace and safety. Now that's what we uh, just got from the White House uh, they're saying that some peace, some sort of peace, not all of the uh, uh, nations have come together. The Islamic states have come together, but they had the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain have signed a, an agreement, a peace agreement with Israel. All right. But when they shall say peace and safety, there's going to be sudden destruction come upon them. As travail as a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. So we know that the day of the coming of the Lord, nobody knows that day nor the hour. All right. Uh, but during this particular time of the tribulation, uh, there's going to be hell on earth. All right. Uh, such as hasn't been before and will never be again until the uh, battle of Armageddon. My God. And certainly we know that God is the one that reveals the times and the seasons. You all remember that, right? So three and a half years of that tribulation period, uh, there will be hell on earth. And it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. I'm just explaining this a little bit so we uh, understand and know we're not there yet. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the, uh, the message right there. 
Um, a time of Jacob's trouble uh, is symbolic of how long Jacob had to labor for Rachel. Uh, you all remember Jacob. He loved Rachel. Uh, he worked seven years. He thought he was working for uh, Rachel, but he got Leah. Oh, um, uh, Laban, he, he uh, put, the, put the real hurt on him. He uh, wrapped up real tight and gave her a handmaiden and said, listen, don't. Uh, don't don't open up the town. Don't let him open up the town until uh, until the turn the lights out. Uh, and I'm sure in the morning, the whole camp heard Jacob, Leah, <laughs> my God. And so he had to work another seven years because he loved Rachel. Amen. So it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. He had the labor. And how long is the tribulation period? Seven years. All right. Now it says, and when they say peace and safety, it's going to be like a woman that travail with child. How many know that we are in the beginning of sorrows now? Amen. So what happens when a woman uh, goes into labor and is ready to have a child? Now, I don't know personally, but I've been there. Uh, for the three times uh, that my wife has bore children for uh, me. And certainly we know that those pains, they come, they're, they're light at first. Uh, living in times of, of, of the beginning of sorrows. And then what happens? Those pain gets more intense and they start coming more often. And when they get more intense and start coming more often, there's nothing that you can do to stop it. And that's what the scripture says. Uh, when they say peace and safety, uh, there's going to be sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. My God. So the Antichrist, he is going to be revealed. Uh, he's going to negotiate peace. Remember now, he's going to negotiate peace uh, between those two nations, the nation of Israel and the Arab nation. Uh, he's going to rebuild that temple for himself. Now, Israel think he's their Messiah. They miss Jesus. He, they think he's their Messiah, but he's building that temple for the abomination of desolation. He's going to sit on the throne and require them to worship him. And that's when their eyes will be open and they will reject him. And that's when uh, all uh, uh, the killing, destruction uh, is going to break out. And we'll read that. All right. So as soon as this is accomplished, uh, he builds that temple. They're going to be saying peace and safety. Come on, somebody. And that's when the destruction, sudden destruction, my God, and that earthly seed of Abraham, their eyes will be open. They'll realize this is not their destruction. This is not their Messiah. But at that time, it will be too late. My God. And there will be a time of sorrow. My God, Jacob's trouble never has been before, never will be again until the battle of Armageddon, all right? And certainly we see on yesterday at the White House, uh, there was a signing, a peace agreement uh, 
sort of, between the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. I do not believe this is the work of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will negotiate peace in the whole region. As I say, he's going to go and get that land. I believe this is no more than a political ploy uh, from this uh, current president that he might get more Jewish votes. Uh, we saw Mike uh, Pompeo. Uh, he's the Secretary of State. Now, normally, Secretary of States, they stay out of the political flay, uh, fray. Uh, they're like the Supreme Court, you know, we, you know, we not, we're, we're neutral. Well, he broke ranks and we're living in unprecedented times. What did he do on the night of the RNC? He flies to Israel and he gets on TV and announces that this peace agreement, which they signed on yesterday, was coming. I don't believe this is the work of the Antichrist. I believe this is just a political ploy of the president to get Jewish uh, votes. All right? And certainly, these things are not going to happen until the son of perdition is revealed. The scripture tells us that. Tells us that. Uh, 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> Everybody should have your Bible, 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Grab your Bible, read it along with me. You can say you read this for yourself. Paul is writing, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, uh, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word from the White House. Anybody uh, catching that? <laughs> nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Now, we know that's true. Uh, the Lord is soon to come, but nobody knows the day or the hour. It is at hand. But let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. We have to go by what's written in these scriptures. God will reveal unto us through his word and through his Holy Spirit. Amen. What day and, and that's what Paul said, brethren of the times and the season, you have no need that I write unto you. Every Holy Ghost filled believer ought to know that the Lord, he is soon to come. Amen. We can't continue on the way that we're going. All right. So let no man deceive you, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, number one. We talked about that. People don't identify as being a part of the Christian uh, identity anymore. Uh, we used to have some nominal Christians that would say, well, I've had some kind of upbringing in the Christian, or I have some Christian Judeo values. Uh, not anymore. So we've seen a great falling away. All right, number one. But number two, and that man of sin be revealed. Who is he? The son of perdition. The son of ruin. Two things. Two things. That day is not going to come 
except number one, there's a great falling away. We've seen that. And that son of perdition be revealed. All right. Number two, he has not yet been revealed. So this is not the peace uh, that they're talking about in the White House that the Antichrist is going to negotiate. Because as I say, he's going to negotiate peace in the whole region. He's going to get that land. He's going to build that temple and he's going to set himself up as God. Look at this. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. All right. Wait a minute. I, I skipped something. That man of uh, sin be revealed, the son of perdition. What does he do? He opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God. Come on, somebody. He's going to blaspheme God, yet he's going to call himself God. Uh, or that is worship. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this is the temple we're talking about. This is the time that we're talking about. Uh, during that tribulation period, he is going to set up that temple. All right, let's let's continue this. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed at this time. Now you know why the peace that they're talking about at the White House is not the peace that we're reading in the scripture, because God, Jesus, is still in the way. Look what he says. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed at this time. Jesus is the one that's going to remove himself. And when he remove himself, uh, the son of perdition is going to be revealed. It's kind of like when we took Jesus out of the schools. What happened? The devil came in full force. So when Jesus, he said, the spirit of uh, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And only he that letteth will let. All right. So what Jesus has not yet revealed him. And when Jesus removes himself out of the way, then the son of perdition will be allowed to come in and have his way. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. All right. So Jesus will have to remove himself out of the way. And when he removes himself, the son of perdition, the Antichrist will be in full effect. What we see at the White House is not the work of the Antichrist. It's just your president trying to get uh, Jewish votes. <laughs> My God. All right. So what is stopping Jesus from being moved out of the way? Number one, he wants souls to be saved. It's not his will that any man should uh, perish, but that all will come into the way and have eternal life. All right. And what else is holding him back? And thank God he's still in the way because the church is still here. When he snatches the church out, come on somebody, that's when the Holy Ghost will be gone. Jesus will be out of the way and Antichrist will be revealed and in full effect. But the stage is set. We're seeing it. It's happening. It's forming. It's coming together 
right now. All right? Uh, and as uh, the fathers would say, the apostolic fathers, uh, I remember uh, Bishop um, R.P. Paddock saying, uh, he's alive, talking about the Antichrist. He's alive and well and dwelling among us today. I heard Bishop Herman say, he's alive and well and dwelling among us today. My own apostolic father, uh, District Elder Avery Dumas Jr., he's alive and well and dwelling among us today. But he has not been revealed because Jesus is still standing. And thank God, he's still standing in the way. But when he removes his church, the Holy Ghost will be gone, Antichrist will be revealed, and in full effect. But the stage is being set. It's being set right before our very eyes. My God. And uh, when this man on the white horses, this is not the first time we've seen him. We've seen him in Revelation uh, the sixth chapter, when the first seal was um, opened up, the one on the white horse, that was the Antichrist. He's going to come white, meaning righteousness, all right, power, authority, uh, to conquering and to conquer. He is going to be a man of peace, all right. He's going to have the answer to global warming. He's going to have the answer to unrest. Uh, the answer to climate change and all of the fires uh, that we're having in California, uh, the answer for all the political unrest, the racial divide, the civil unrest, come on somebody, uh, the answer to world hunger, oh, he's going to have all the answers. And people are going to worship him, but they won't even know that they're worshiping Satan himself. All right? Uh, let's go to Revelation 6. We see him here uh, being uh, revealed just to get it before us. Just to get it before us. <clears throat> he said, And I saw the Lamb open one of the seals, and I heard it as it were a noise of thunder. Revelation 6, 1 through 8. Everybody get your Bible. Let's read it together. One of the four be saying, Come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse. And he that sat upon him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him. And he went forth, what? Conquering and to conquer. God is going to give him his authority. Uh, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second be say, Come and see. And there went out another horse. Uh, that was read, and power was given unto him uh, that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, earth, and they that should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword, death. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard uh, the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, lo, a black horse, and he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. See that thou hurt not the oil or the wine. Amen. A whole day's wages. That's famine. Whole day's wage is just going to be able to buy you enough just to survive. For one individual, my God, the famine is going to be so great. 
All right, and he said, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. My God, kill by any means possible. My God, God gave him authority uh, to do this. And all of these writers are the Antichrist on uh, different uh, judgments that will be released, released soon after the son of perdition is revealed. All right. Uh, so we see the white horse, the red horse, the black horse. And what was that last horse? Pale. <laughs> Well, that's the problem with the English translation of the Bible. Uh, pale, the, um, the Hebrew word is chloris, chloris, uh, where we get chlorophyll, uh, and that is green. So we have the white horse, we have the red horse, we have the black horse, and we have the pale or the chloris or green horse. All right. All of these will be released in, in, in quick succession after the son of perdition is revealed. All right. And we know that that son of perdition is the Antichrist. All right. And he is the political leader. He's also the religious leader. Remember, um, we have the unholy trinity, just as we have the, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. And all the three are one. Well, we got Satan. We got beast number one and beast number two. All of them are one. They are one in the same. All right. Now, remember, remember, if you go back to uh, Revelation, everybody get Revelation in the second verse. Revelation, the second verse. We're going to see here this unholy trinity. Uh, Revelation 13 and 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet was like unto a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. Who? The dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. All right. So that was concerning beast number one. We went down to uh, verse 11, Revelation 13 and 11. Uh, one, he looked like a lamb, but he sound like a dragon. That's beast number two. Who's giving them their power? All right. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Uh, that's Satan himself. All of those three, that, that system that's, that's all speaking and saying the same thing, they're all one. Why? Because Satan is trying to copy God's perfect plan. All right. Now, go with me. Let's go to Daniel, the ninth chapter. Daniel, the ninth chapter. Uh, we're going to look at something here. Daniel, the ninth chapter. 
Daniel talks about the the people of the prince that shall come. All right. It'll be easier for me to grab it on my phone. <clears throat> I don't have to be looking to the side. <clears throat> Daniel, the ninth chapter and verse 26, if you all grab it. We have uh, read this scripture before. We're going to get it before us one more time because it's going to bring out what we're talking about. Right where we are today. He said, after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off? That's Christ. Uh, he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Look what he says. That temple that's built in that day, the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The people of the prince that shall come. The prince that shall come will be of that people. Who is that? That's the Roman Empire. All right? The Roman Empire. So we know that the Antichrist is going to be uh, Roman by citizenship and Jew uh, by nationality. Amen? That's how we know. Uh, and we can look at those individuals and qualify them uh, by whether they have Roman citizenship and they're Jewish by nationality. Now, Jared Kushner is a Jew. <laughs> he is a Jew and President Trump has put him over these peace talks. Uh, so we'll have to see how this all um, works out. I know he is a Jew. I don't know what you have to do to have get Roman citizenship. Um, uh, but that beast that was and is not, that's the Roman Empire. Uh, and John was writing, he was, but he is not, but he will be again, because that Roman Empire will be revived. All right, let's read the rest of this. What's going to happen? Um, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war of desolations are determined. This war will continue. This unrest will continue all the way to the battle of Armageddon and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Look at that. Uh, let's read that one more time. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Amen. All right. Uh, Jacob's trouble. It was seven years. All right. That one week is seven years right here. This is, he's going to confirm it for one week. And in the middle of the week, how long is that? Three and a half years. All right. So what are we doing? We get in the pattern of consistency. The time of Jacob's trouble will be that three and a half year period uh, uh, 
first part of the tribulation period because in the opening of the seventh seal in the eighth chapter of Revelation, ain't nobody going to be saved. That's the, that's the day of God, the great day of God's wrath. Nobody is going to be saved. All right. So he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's seven years. And in the midst of the week, three and a half year, he shall call the sacrifice. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. No, y'all not going to worship God. You're going to worship me. I'm God. He's going to sit on the throne. And that's when uh, Israel's eyes will be open and they realize this is not our Messiah. All right. And what they're going to turn against him for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Uh, there's going to be uh, a horrific time. Uh, as I say, they will go through hell on earth. Amen. But I thank God, the church, uh, the bride of Christ, we will not be here. God is going to take us out. He, he's not going to let the son of perdition and let him be in full effect until he pulls us out of harm's way. Because when he reveals the Antichrist, he will be in full effect. We're just seeing the beginning of sorrows now. All right? So he's going to get that land. He's going to build that temple. He's going to set himself up as God. And uh, let's go back. I'm switching now. Let's go back to uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. And let's see what's going to happen. Matthew 24 and 15. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolations spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Run for your life. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take any of his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter time. My God, neither on the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath days, the gates of the city will be closed uh, and that will create a panic trying to get out. My God, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. If the ancient of day did not show up, as Daniel said, and put an end to it, nobody, nobody uh, would be saved. But God, we know God is going to show up, amen, and he's going to fight for his people. My God, there will be a remnant uh, and I remember with Bishop uh, 
Kadak in his teaching, uh, he asked the question once, what would happen if we all woke up one day and all the Baptists were gone, I don't think this is going to happen, <laughs> and the apostolics were left? Uh, weren't we not sincere uh, in our devotion to God and we were doing all that we thought that we knew to be saved? Well, God is going to give us an opportunity to be saved. We were sincere. Uh, we will have to defend the gospel. We'll have to listen to those two witnesses saying that this is not your Messiah. Do not take his mark in your head or in your forehead, uh, your forehead or in your hand. Uh, because once you take the mark of the beast, you no longer bear the image of God. You bear the image of the beast. And God is going to destroy everybody that bears that image in the opening of that seventh seal. <laughs> the great day of God's wrath, nobody will be saved. Amen. All right. So what happens uh, when uh, the church is snatched out and those other uh, religious groups that were sincere, they did all that they knew to be saved. God is going to give them an opportunity to be saved. Uh, they will uh, have to either have their heads cut off. Uh, they'll have to refuse the mark of the beast. And if you don't have the mark of the beast, you know you can't buy or sell. So many of them will be starved to death. But the Bible says uh, they will join us on that honeymoon period. My God. But that's going to be a great time of tribulation. Such as never has been, such as won't be again until... Uh, the battle of Armageddon. Amen. So I want to show you something uh, because everything in the Bible means something. Remember, we had the white horse. We had the red horse. We had the black horse. We had the pale, the chorus, or the green horse. All right. I want to show you the state flags of these uh, states that surround uh, Israel. All right, this is the first one. This is the first one. Uh, let me see. And this is the uh, Libya, their state flag. All right. Let's go to Saudi Arabia. This is their state flag. Sudan, this is their, the national flag of Sudan. Uh, this is Syria. Palestine, these are all Islamic states, Middle Eastern uh, state flags. Egypt, Iran. Iraq, Jordan, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, just signed a, a peace agreement with Israel on yesterday. Uh, and also we put Bahrain, this is their flag. And finally, uh, this is ISIS. ISIS, the flag of ISIS, which they want to 
uh, make sure there's Islamic uh, rule everywhere over in the Middle East and have and all of these places have declared death uh, to Israel and want to wipe Israel off the map. Now, my next slide, uh, I tried to get all of the flags on there. I don't know if I got them on there or not. Uh, but um, these are all that I could fit on the screen, and I need somebody to work with me and help me get my slides together. But look at this. These are all Islamic states. All have declared death to Israel. Can anybody see the white horse, the red horse, uh, the white horse, yeah, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale, the chorus, the green? It's in all their flags. All their flags. We have the white horse. We have the red horse. We have the black horse. And we have the pale, the chorus, the green. White, red, black, green. In all of their flags. My God, everything means something in the Bible. You may not catch it. You may not put two and two together. Uh, but God's word, all of it, all of it has a meaning. All right. Now, I want to, that was just a news flash. I put that in for free because of the, uh, what had happened at the White House on yesterday. And I told uh, you all, don't be soon shaken by word or letter from us or a word from the White House, uh, this peace accord that they're trying to put together, uh, this is a political ploy for the president to get Jewish votes. This is not the work of the Antichrist, all right? He has to be revealed. Now, I want to get back to the seven feasts of uh, Jehovah. We went through that real quick last time. We were running out of time. It looks like we're going to run it out. We're running out of time again. Uh, but I want to uh, go over that uh, a little bit slower uh, so we'll have a good understanding. All right. And how did we get there? We went to Daniel 7 and 25. Uh, Daniel 7 and 25. The Antichrist that will be warring against the saints in that three and a half year period. It says, at that time, Satan will try to change the set times, the moeds, and the laws of God. Satan is going to try to change the times. All right? And we certainly know the Bible says he is going to, uh, you all have it, he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, you know he can only do that if God allow him. He's going to be given power, and this is why these Islamic states are going to join in with the Antichrist because they have, they have vowed since the beginning of time to wipe Israel off the map. <laughs> but God has been fighting for them. 
He's fighting for us because we're spiritual Israel now. All right. But the Antichrist is going to be given power to wear out the saints. And, you know, you mean tell me somebody that can actually uh, win this war against Israel? Oh, yeah, we're all in. We're all in. So uh, those 10 kingdoms, uh, those governments uh, will come together. Amen. They're going to fight against uh, Israel and God is going to give them power. Look what he says. And he shall speak great words against the most high and shall wear out the saints of the most high. Look at this and think to change the times and the laws and they shall be given unto his hand until a what time and times and the dividing of time. What is that time? One year times two years and the dividing of a time is three and a half years, a pattern of consistency. We're talking about the same uh, time, the time of tribulation, the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period, where all of these scriptures are tied to that particular time, all right? So we will see that Satan is trying to change the set times, which is called the Moeds of God. These are the set times. So what we find here in the seven feasts of Jehovah is um, God is leaving us a pattern, amen? He's letting us know this is the pattern that I'm going to follow and I'm going to show up uh, and I'm going to perform my miracle. I'm going to do uh, what's uh, prescribed at that set time. And we are to meet him at the Moed, the set time. So how are we going to meet him if we don't know what the set times are? And how do we even know what the Antichrist is up to if we don't know what the times and the laws are? My God. So God left us a pattern. And this is what I found in a small book uh, by uh, Bishop G.T. Haywood. Uh, I bought it at uh, Falls Creek Boulevard, Christ Temple. I went down when we were having a Region 5 there some years ago uh, into the bookstore, and I told them I wanted the complete teaching, uh, everything that uh, Bishop G.T. Haywood uh, wrote. I got all the graphs. I got all the charts and everything. And uh, it wasn't until I read this in Daniel that uh, Antichrist will be trying to set the times and the laws. Uh, I remember reading that Bishop G.T. Haywood said in the uh, seven feasts of Jehovah are hidden the times or the pattern of God. Amen. And I went back and got the book and, and there it was. There it was. Uh, the seven feasts of Jehovah. All right. Um, we know that uh, Daniel said that God is the only one that can set the times and the seasons. We've gone over that. I won't go over that again. Uh, all of these set times, the Moeds, uh, in plural, Moedim, are on, uh, they exist on the Jewish calendar. And the Jews, they know the set times and the laws. We have no idea. And how are we going to meet God at the set time? And we don't even know 
when the time is. All right. So the Moeds in the Bible are the feast days, the feast days that God is going to show up. Amen. Uh, these are his set times. All right. And when we know his set times, we'll understand and know better what the Antichrist, the enemy, he's trying to do. All right. People had to show up at these set feast days, these feast times. Otherwise, they were expelled. They were kicked out of the family, out of the faith. All right. So these were the moeds, the feasts. And when we think about feasts, you know, a lot of times we think about eating. Uh, and some of them had some eating involved, but they are the set times. Amen. These are the, the feasts of God. And the reason uh, it becomes so confusing for us is because we are on the Gregorian calendar, all right, uh, which we have adopted from Julius Caesar, uh, <laughs> the Roman Empire, isn't that something? Um, from the times uh, of the Roman Empire, uh, now the um, our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, uh, works on the solar cycle. So that's the way we like to think everything is on the same day every year. Well, the Jewish calendar works on both the lunar cycle and the solar cycle. So they're, um, the feasts, events on their calendar happen at different times in the year. You see, there's a difference. So there's a confusion right there. My God. We're on the Gregorian calendar, and we have no idea of uh, the, the feasts that exist on the Jewish calendar. And that's the way we think. We want everything to be the same. You know, Christmas is on Christmas every year. Thanksgiving is on Thanksgiving every year. But that's not how the Jewish calendar works. Works both on the lunar and the solar cycle. So events change from year to year. But on this Jewish calendar, God is leaving us a pattern. Amen. Bishop G.T. Haywood said the Jehovah, the feast of Jehovah hold the secret to the, the patterns, the set patterns of God. All right. We find that in Leviticus, the 23rd uh, chapter, verse four. This is a recap. Uh, I'm going over this because we went through this kind of quick we went through this kind of quick uh, last time, and we just want to uh, revisit this. Um, Leviticus, you know, that's where we get our laws from anyway. 23rd chapter, and you will find all of the seven feasts right here in the uh, 23rd chapter of Leviticus. All right, what did he say to Moses? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, say unto them, Concerning the Moads, the set feasts, concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim, tell the people, These are my holy convocations. Even these are my Moads, my set times. All right, six days shall the work be done. But the seventh day is the seventh, the Sabbath of rest uh, and holy convocation. Ye shall not do no work therein. 
It is the uh, Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the Moeds, the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. Amen. And certainly we know in Ecclesiastes uh, 3 and 1, to everything there is a season and a time and purpose under the heavens. Amen. So God is saying, these are my set times. Um, uh, you would consider a wedding to be a moed. And certainly what? We are the what? Bride of Christ. So we have a set time. Come on, somebody. We're espoused to him now, but there's a set time where that marriage is going to take place. Now, you just don't show up at a wedding, what happened? There are rehearsal dates that you follow. So when you get to the wedding, you know you know where and what, uh, where to be and what you ought to do. What's your purpose? What's your plan? What's uh, why are you there? So what then becomes of these moeds? These are our rehearsals uh, that God is going to show up, and we must show up with Him. Come on, somebody. My God. And do you think uh, God is not going to show up uh, for his wedding? Oh, yeah, he's going to show up. Uh, and guess what? His bride is going to show up. The question is, will you be in that bride? Will you have kept the moeds, the set feast days of God? All right. So what was that first moed? It was the feast of Passover, the feast of Passover. We have that in Exodus. Um, and we're going to just go over this one kind of quick uh, because they were to get the uh, lamb and they were to kill the lamb uh, for each family. If it be a small family, they could share in the cost of a lamb and they were to kill the lamb and take the blood and strike it over the doorpost and down the lintel of the door and God said what when I see the blood I will do what pass over you all right he told Moses this month shall be unto you the beginning of months amen how many beginning months do you have in a year, uh, uh, an annual calendar? Only one month is the beginning month. And matter of fact, told them on the 14th day. And I don't understand how we have so many churches having uh, communion, uh, the, the feast of the Passover on first Sunday, fourth Sunday, third Sunday, uh, <laughs> 10 times a year. He said, as oft as you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. The proper inter interpretation of that scripture does not mean do it often. <laughs> he says, as oft as you do it, the first month, the 14th day, you do it in remembrance of the sacrifice I made for you. Amen. Or as oft as you have a birthday, you're going to be reminded you're getting older. You're not going to have a birthday every first Sunday, every fifth Sunday, or six birthdays in the year. 
But as often as you have a birthday, you're going to be reminded that you're getting older. This was an annual celebration, Moedim, set time. All right, so what does it do? It commemorate God bringing uh, Israel out of Egypt. All right, uh, uh, the Passover commemorated the deliverance. He brought them out of slavery, brought them out of bondage. All right, it is also symbolic of him bringing us out of the world. All right, uh, Luke, the 22nd chapter, 15th verse through 16, 15 and 16, Luke 22, 15 and 16. He said unto them with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof till it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. All right. He was the lamb that came to Jerusalem to be offered for each and every one of us. All right. At that particular time, it was the Passover lambs that came in seven days early because they had to be cleaned and inspected. Everybody knew it was the feast of the Passover. And Jesus, he showed up. Come on, somebody. Uh, Josephus, in his writing, uh, estimated that there was over two and a half million Jews in Jerusalem, that small place at that particular time. All right. And remember, they told Judas, now we're not going to take Jesus uh, during the feast. There's too many people in town, too many people in town. There'll be a riot and we can't contain them. They had a whole lot of Jesus supporters uh, in town on, on that particular week. All right. But what did Jesus do? He revealed him. Judas, portrayest thou me with a kiss? My God. Uh, you know, anytime uh, Jesus uh, removes himself, the Antichrist is revealed. And did you know Judas is known as the son of perdition? We, we'll go over that. I'll give you the scriptures. Uh, he's also called the son of perdition in the Bible. All right. Uh, Jesus told Judas, you're not going to do this <laughs> on no dark alley. You're going to do it right now because I'm the Passover lamb here that's going to give his life for my people. All right. You're going to do it now. First Corinthians five and seven through eight says, purge out therefore old leaven, which is sin, typical of sin, that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened, for even Christ, who our Passover is sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast or the moed, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. All right? So this particular Passover served as uh, a symbolic of God bringing us out of the world, saving us from a life of sin and shame. All right. Did God show up? Did you meet him there? Come on, somebody. My God. If you didn't meet him, you're still in Egypt. 
That means you're yet in your sins. What did John said? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. My God, the feast of Passover. All right, um, I'm going to put this screen up and we can kind of look at it as we go. Um, what is the uh, the next feast? And all of these happened in succinction, uh, pretty close together. Uh, that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, you all uh, know that they had to have, uh, God told them that uh, when he bring them out, he's bringing them out all together. Uh, when you uh, have this Passover, uh, Moses is going to put you out all together. Um, I'm sorry, not Moses, Pharaoh. He's going to thrust you out all together. Uh, they were to eat that lamb. Uh, it was supposed to be um, well done. Don't let none of it be sodden. All right. And he said, put that blood over the doorpost. Uh, and when you when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. All right. But then they had to have the unleavened bread. All right. Preparing for the Passover. They made unleavened bread. All right. So during the week of the feast of unleavened bread, the fathers would take the children and they would clean the house. Why would they clean the house? They would clean the house out of, uh, of old yeast, uh, old salt, mold, dust, mildew. Uh, anything that would spoil that bread, they had to make bread uh, without yeast. It was unleavened bread, so they had to clean the house to make sure nothing was intermingled with that bread, all right? They did not have time for yeast, which is typical of sin, to raise the bread, all right? 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, all right? They were to purge out sin, clean the house. All right, and what does that say? <clears throat> Purge out therefore, O leaven, that you might be what? A new lump, as ye are unleavened. Amen. And what happened seven days before Jesus' crucifixion? We find that in Matthew 21, 12 and 13. Matthew 21, 12 and 13. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast them all uh, out, all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. What did Jesus do? He went and cleaned out his father's house. My God, he cleaned out his father's house. All right. What did that bread look like? Well, it was called matzah, matzah bread. Uh, let me share that with you. I do have a slide of, of that. Um, many of you all um, don't see it uh, before it's broken, 
But this bread is unleavened bread. It's pierced and it's scored. What is that symbolic of? His piercing and the whipping. Come on, somebody. My God. And what did he say in 1 Corinthians 11 and 24? Going back through this, make sure everybody get it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I got a piece of the crackers here because most of you don't see them uh, before um, Elder Oscar and Elder David Francis break them. Not only are they pierced and scored, but they're broken. This is my body that's broken for you. Did he show up? Come on, somebody. Did he show up? Was his body broken for you? Are you glad about it? My God. All right, what do we have after that? The Feast of First Fruits. That's when Jesus got up and declared all power in heaven and in earth belong unto me. This is the morning after the first Sabbath. All of these feasts go in succession here. All right. What did he do? He got up. Uh, this was the uh, signifying of new life had begun. First fruits. All right. This was the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. So what would they do? They would take the first of the wheat harvest. They bring it to the priests. Uh, he would bless it. He would wave it before God and thank God for the bountiful harvest that was coming in. All right, Matthew 28, 16 and 18. Everybody should have your Bibles reading along with me. Matthew 28, 16 and 18. Then the 11 disciples went away unto Galilee and to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All right, let's have Revelation 1 and 18. Revelation 1 and 18, he said, I am he that what? Liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive. How long? forevermore. Amen. And I have keys to hell and of death. All right. So what did he do? He kept the Moed. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, Jesus was crucified three days before. And now just remember uh, the day after the Sabbath, what did he do? He got up. He was crucified three days before but he got up from the grave and he still kept the Moed. These are times he says, I'm going to show up and I want you to meet me there. <laughs> My God. First Corinthians 15, 17 through 20. It says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. 
Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become what? The first fruits, the Moed, the Moed. Amen. He kept the Moed. Did he show up? Come on, somebody. My God. Did you meet him there? <laughs> is he alive and well and dwelling on the inside of you? All right. <laughs> My God. What's the uh, fourth feast of Jehovah? That is the feast of Pentecost. This is the day when the Holy Ghost would fall. And the Greek word is Shabbalat. Shabbalat. All right. Pentecost means 50. It means 50. It is the uh, day after. You all remember now we got seven days, uh, seven weeks, uh, seven days in each week. And each day in the week is a thousand years. So every day is 7,000 years. The first creative day of God is 7,000 years. The second day of God is 7,000 years. Uh, the fifth day is 7,000 years. All right, so when you have seven times seven, that's 49. What happens the day after? 50. That's Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. All right. So we have then fulfilled the sevenfold pattern of the church age. And that's a Bible class all by itself. All right. Where do we find that? We find that in Acts, the second chapter, verses one through four. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with what? The Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right. Did he show up? <laughs> Ah, oh, come on, somebody. Anybody got the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside of you? Did you show up? The only ones got the Holy Ghost were the ones that went back to Jerusalem. All right. Stay there until you be endowed with power from up on high. He kept the Moed. All right. The fifth one is the Feast of Trumpets. And I'm running out of time. I know I'm running out of time. All right. Did he keep it? Nope. He did not keep. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. All right. This is one of the Moeds that the Antichrist is trying to change. Come on, somebody. Woe be unto the, to the inhabitants of the earth. Before now, Satan has come down unto you having great wrath because he know that what? His time is short. He's going to try to change the times and the laws. I don't know why he can't do it. 